Chapter Twenty Seven of Gunsight Pass: How Oil Came to the Cattle Country and Brought a New West by William McLeod Rain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. At the Jackpot. The day lasted twenty-four hours in Malapi. F. Sanders walked along Hunipero Street on his way to the downtown corral from Crawford's house. Saloons and gambling houses advertised their attractions candidly and noisily. They seemed bursting with raw and vehement life. The strains of fiddles and the sound of shuffling feet were pierced occasionally by the whoop of a drunken reveler. Once there rang out the high notes of a woman's hysterical laughter. Cowponies and packed burros drooped listlessly at the hitching rack. Even loaded wagons were waiting to take the road as soon as the drivers could tear themselves away from the attractions of Kino and a last drink. Junipero Street was not the usual crooked lane that serves as the main thoroughfare for business in a mining town, for Malapi had been a cow town before the discovery of oil. It lay on the wide prairie and not in a gulch. The street was broad and dusty, flanked by false front stores, flat-roofed adobes, and corrugated iron buildings imported hastily since the first boom. At the Staghorn Corral, Dave hired a horse and saddled for a night ride. On his way to the jackpot, he passed a dozen outfits headed for the new strike. They were hauling supplies of food, tools, timber, and machinery to the oil camp. Out of the night, a mule skinner shouted a profane and drunken greeting to him. A Mexican with a burro train gave him a low-voiced, Buenas noches, senor. A fine mist of oil began to spray him when he was still a mile away from the well. It grew denser as he came near. He found Bob Hart in oilskins and rubber boots, bossing a gang of scrapers, giving directions to a second one building a dam across a draw, and supervising a third group engaged in siphoning crude oil from one sump to another. From head to foot, Hart and his assistants were wet to the skin with the black crude oil. "'Lo, Dave! One sure enough little spouter!' Bob shouted cheerfully. "'Number three's sure a-hittin' her up. She's no coffer. Stays right steady on the job. Bet I've wallowed in a million barrels of the stuff since morning.' He waded through a visit pool to Dave and asked a question in a low voice. "'What's the good word?' "'We had a little luck,' admitted Sanders, then plumbed out his budget of news.' got the express money back, captured one of the robbers, forced a confession out of him, and left him with the sheriff. Bob did an Indian war dance in hip boots. You're the darndest go-getter I ever did see. Tell it to me, you ornery old scalawag. His friend told the story of the day, so far as it related to the robbery. I could have told you Miller would weaken when you had the rope round his soft neck, Shorty would have gone through and told you all where to get off at. Yes, Miller is yellow. He didn't quit with the robbery, Bob. Must have been scared bad, I reckon. He admitted that he killed George Doble. By accident, he claimed. Says Doble ran in front of him while he was shooting at me. Have you got that down on paper? demanded Hart. Yes. Bob caught his friend's hand. I reckon the long lane has turned for you, old socks. I can't tell you how damn glad I am. Doble needed killing, but I'd rather you hadn't done it. The other man made no comment on this phase of the situation. 
This brings Doug Doble out into the open at last. He'll come pretty near going to the pen for this. I can't see Applegate arresting him. He'll fight, Doug will. My notion is he'll take to the hills and throw off all pretense. If he does, he'll be the worst killer ever was known in this part of the country. You and Crawford want to look out for him, Dave. Crawford says he wants me to be treasurer of the company, Bob. You and I are to manage it, he says, with Burns doing the drilling. That's great. He told me he was going to ask you. Bet you we make the old jackpot hum. Do you ever hear of a man land poor, Bob? Sure have. Well, right now, we're oil poor. According to what the old man says, there's no cash in the treasury, and we've got bills that have to be paid. You know that ten thousand he paid into the bank to satisfy the note? He borrowed it from a friend who took it out of a trust fund to loan it to him. He didn't tell me who the man is, but he said his friend would get into trouble a-plenty if it's found out before he replaces the money. Then we've got to keep our labor bills paid right up. Some of the other accounts can't wait. Could we borrow money on this gusher? We'll have to do that. Trouble is that oil isn't a marketable asset until it reaches the refinery. We could sell stock, of course, but we don't want to do much of that unless we're forced to it. Our play is to keep control and not let any other interest in to oust us. It's going to take some scratching. Looks like, agreed Bob. Any use trying the bank here? I'll try it, but we'll not accept any call loan. They say Steelman owns the bank. He won't let us have money unless there's some nigger in the woodpile. I'll probably have to try Denver. That'll take time. Yes, and time's one thing we haven't got too much of. Whoever underwrites this for us will send an expert back with me and will wait for his report before making a loan. We'll have to talk it over with Crawford and find out how much treasury stock we'll have to sell locally to keep the business going till I make a raise. You and the old man decide that, Dave. I can't get away from here till we get number three roped and muzzled. I'll vote for whatever you two say. An hour later, Dave rode back to town. End of chapter 27